Okay. All right. So well, no- it's only taken us 20 minutes to get the core <laughs> fundamentals of this. Yeah, we got uh, this. Even remotely on this. the rails. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, all right. It's good, yeah, though. Let's... It's our first time ever doing this. Yeah, this so, is only episode you know. number one. It's definitely not episode <laughs> 62. <laughs> yeah, definitely not episode 62. Uh, all right. Well, here we are. Hey, look at episode, that. Episode yeah. 62. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. We're we're older than a year. Um, And we are older than a year. John, you and I are much older than a year, but this, what we're doing right now is a podcast and it is over a year. Uh, Yes. And the name of the podcast? (laughs) Well, folks. (laughs) It's the F1 Files. It's the F1 Files podcast. This is our podcast about Formula One, and we're just a couple of best friends who have loved this sport forever. And uh, now we get to chatty Kathy it up every week uh, wow. in the world of F1. Speak for yourself. Oh, okay. <laughs> my God. Well, myself, I will speak for myself. My name is Corey P. Willis. I am a writer, actor, improviser, normally stationed out in sunny Los Angeles, California, but currently stationed in sunny upstate New York. Uh, and yeah, just kind of, kind of enjoying, enjoying the musty humidity of it. Yeah, baby. Mm, it was great yeah. to see you yesterday, by the way. Yeah, I'm just going to yeah. say that on air. Yeah, uh, it's great to see you too. Uh, it was lovely to, to connect with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. By the way, mm. my name's John Lepore. <laughs> I'm the other, I'm the other host of, the F1 Files. Yeah. I'm a creative consultant designing the future for film, technology, and automotive, holding it down as I do on the East Coast, just a, 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 a good 55 minutes south mm-hmm. of Corey in mm-hmm. northern New Jersey. Corey, right. what, uh, what, what do we got going on this uh, week in again. Formula One? We are, we're right now in the dead center of the desert yeah. of, of April between two races that are effectively uh, damn near a full month apart. Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll, we'll call this the, the late spring break, the Easter break is as it were. Yes. Uh, for those of us who celebrate. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Super, super suitable for the sport to do three races, mm-hmm. have a month long break and then go into what's probably the most over-demanding season that the sport has ever seen of yeah. 23 races. Mm-hmm. And pure, the, pure the madness. The only reason yeah. we don't have a race right now is because the Chinese Grand Prix was canceled. So this we are very fortunate, question mark, uh, to get a break right now because things are going to go absolutely nuts uh, once we hit mm-hmm. the street circuit of Baku, which is a sprint race. So what are we going to talk about this week, Johnny? What, uh, what do we got on the docket uh, for, for the F1 files? All right. Well, we got a few things to touch on. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, this fascinating story that you're sharing about uh, a little mm-hmm. bit of recent Mercedes past that just uh, is delightful i i don't know do you do we does this get classified as johnny's trash corner i this, think this bit it's yeah i don't know if it, it it does it does qualify for johnny's trash corner just because it is some 
uh, as you as you called out uh, in our in our Twitter exchange, just some true like world class shittery that has been happened, and I I think that yep. that that needs to that belongs in Johnny's trash corner. Uh, shittery yep, yep, always yep. belongs in the trash corner. Uh, so we got uh, that. Fair, fair enough. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna make a pit stop in your trash corner, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's Corey's trash corner. We're gonna be talking, as I love to do, uh, some Ferrari trash talk. Just talking about the nonsense and uh, madness that's happening over there. Um, off track, very as far removed from track as possible, but it is still happening and still affecting the sport. Uh, and then we have some actual real news, some real stuff to cover, which is the the update with the sprints. But then that will pretty quickly tip into Trash Corner again because it involves Mercedes and Red Bull and their their constant uh, battle for like weird moral superiority uh, yep. in this world. Uh, so let's let's start out with the news let's start out with the actual real stuff that affects the sport which uh that would be stefano domenicali has given the go-ahead for the sprint format to change um not in not in baku uh baku will have a very normal put that in scare quotes uh normal sprint (laughs) um sprint format but then things change very quickly going forward with the last five sprints uh, in the season. So that's Austria, Belgium, Qatar, Austin, and Brazil are the other five sprints. And we've got a Friday practice session that goes right into a qualifying session. And that qualifying session does determine the order of the Grand Prix on Sunday. And then everybody goes to sleep, puts their big gorgeous heads on those big gorgeous pillows uh, and then wakes up Saturday for a new definition of go fast day which is sprint qualifying which will then determine the order of the sprint on Saturday so we're losing that post qualifying practice session that kind of didn't mean anything uh, during the sprint races and we're making that matter and also the qualifying for the Grand Prix will no longer be a result of the sprint race. So, all right. So, sorry, I'm 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 lost here. It's we're it's a doing yeah, yeah yeah. So we will be doing the sprint, mm-hmm. and then after the sprint, are we qualifying or are we qualifying before the sprint? Oh no, that would make too much sense, John. Uh, we are having the qualifying session happen after one practice session on Friday. So okay. That, that qualifying session, the second session of racing on Friday will be qualifying, which has no bearing on Saturday whatsoever. It just skips over Saturday. It's and not qualifying for the sprint. Correct. It is qualifying. It's, qualify, it's qualifying for Sunday. Correct. For the race. Correct. And then... Because the, because the results of the sprint will no longer determine the starting order of the race. Yeah. And then when do we qualify for the sprint? So the sprint qualifying would be basically, <laughs> it will be Saturday morning right before the sprint itself. So it'll be okay. qualifying happening the same day as the sprint race. So it's not Saturday qualifying for a Sunday race. It's Saturday morning qualifying for a Saturday afternoon half distance race. 
So, yeah. I know. it's it, John is going so wide-eyed with this because it makes I, no sense. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, so the sprints are controversial. Mm-hmm. I like the sprints. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's a fun opportunity to have some extra racing action in the mix. Um, yeah. Uh, the misses and I were talking about trying to attend a race at some point, and one of the things that ran through my mind was like, oh, we should see if there's one where there is a sprint because yeah. y- as a, as a, you know, attendee in person, you're going to get that much more sort of action for yeah. your insanely overpriced formula one tickets. Um, hmm. and so the, the sprint for me, the primary purpose of it was not the points that you got from the sprint, but it was yeah. the starting order of the race. And so now it will only be, about the points which are yeah. now like sort of like just like it's a chance to win some bonus points yeah i don't know Corey, how do you feel about this i mean i liked initially i did like the sprint races uh but as we had discussed here there are going to be five sprint races that are happening out of the last it looks like six grand prix or seven grand prix of the calendar year and that just feels too gimmicky it feels like that is a recipe for absolute madness because all the teams are going to be stretched so thin they'll probably have met all of their like they've probably exceeded all of their allotment of components so people are going to start hitting penalties yep the the cost cap is in effect i mean yeah maybe this will be good because and this is maybe why We'll get into it. Why Red Bull is freaking out over the sprints, uh, but there is something to be said about creating that kind of chaos at the end of the season. But it almost feels like it's going to be maybe a little too manufactured because of the 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 format and the placement of the sprints. Uh, I'd like to see them spread out much more over the season, uh, much more equally, I should say, over the season. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I do like them. And it, you make a good point, John. I didn't even consider the people who show up to the Grand Prix, like the fact that they are getting more entertainment at the Grand Prix versus what's happening where you just get the feed, you know, where all of us are getting these feeds. So, yeah. I've yeah. got a, I've got a format to propose for the sprint. All right. This is the way you do it. Mm-hmm. Every, every weekend – We've got an enormous amount of time with cars on on track. Mm-hmm. We've got final final practice, and it's it's literally called final practice one, even <laughs> though it's the first of the three practices. Then there's yeah. final practice two. There's yeah. final practice three. We have qualifying, which is broken into three sub sessions, mm-hmm. and then we have a race. I think the race director should have like a a sprint flag or like a sprint air horn that they blast at any point in the weekend like at like any including point like during be, the practice sessions just like, like in the middle starts. of practice two he blasts an air horn and it's like in five minutes the sprint begins everybody get get out there 
All right. You know, I like this. I like this a lot, I think, Johnny. I think that's the way to do it. And it becomes like, you know, you get a little mixture of like a Lamar start. You have mm-hmm. everybody's just filled with constant dread and unease over the course of the weekend, you know, wondering like, when the when the sprint air horn is going to sound, you know? It's like the most dangerous game of musical chairs. Like just yes. by yeah. far. Yeah. Yeah. Um yep. honestly. I love that, John. I, I truly and completely love that. And that would make more sense than what they are doing. And c- quite frankly, it would make more sense than the current sprint format. Because the current sprint format is one practice, then qualifying for the sprint, then the sprint, and then another free practice random session. Yeah. Uh, and then the race. So. Yeah, I think that that would actually make sense, Johnny, uh, to do it your way where it's just like, all right, sprint starts in five, get it together. <laughs> um, yep. Uh, yeah, if if you're, one of your drivers isn't at the track right now, if one of your drivers is yep. busy doing something else, then reserve driver. Sorry. I feel like it would just make everybody feel like Ferrari. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It would level the playing field for Ferrari. So everyone is. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> as chaotic as them. Oh, yep. God. So uh, Red Bull is freaking out over this, uh, over the the sprint. Just this, this, the fact that the sprints are happening, Red Bull is freaking out. And this is kind of what we talked about last week, where the less time they have, the more vulnerable they become. And the mm-hmm. chances for better racing and the pack closing up that gap, those those go up. So I think that there's something to be said there, and I understand why Red Bull is kind of freaking out. Also, I didn't fully understand and recognize that all of these sprints were at the end of the year when their penalty starts to really affect them. So mm-hmm. they're yep. going to be under a severe cost cap penalty and a development penalty maybe at a time when they need it the most. Uh, and what, what are, what are the factors that have, cause I feel like there's multiple factors that are, we're expecting that as the season unfolds or as we get into, especially like the, the final third of mm-hmm. the season that Red Bull starts to lose momentum. And we certainly saw it last season in my mind. I just imagine that it's like, they they still haven't got out of the like pre cost cap era mindset, mm-hmm. and so they're just burning their money like it's you know 2017 or or whatnot. And then they get like to that final third of the season, they're like, oh no, we're like, yeah. if we spend another two hundred dollars, we're going to violate the cost cap. So yeah, everybody, I, let's stretch it all out. Yeah, I imagine it's like when when you first like fully strike out on your own after your parents have been like, kind of like providing. Yes. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh my God, my rent is due. Oh my God, my bills are due. Oh no. And you just completely freak out because you have not budgeted. Uh, but you've been living so large for those first three weeks of that month. I only have $18 in my checking account, but the ATM will only spit out $20 (laughs) bills. I wasn't planning for this. Yeah. And my local bank, uh, the ATM is inaccessible. So I have to go to like 
not even my bank, so I get that three dollar fees. Gotta, and now you it's got to go to that that oh, bodega ATM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that charges you a fee and steals your identity. And a hundred percent has like the like chip reader that is mounted on top of the uh, yeah the yeah. Card. There's like a whole ATM mounted on top of the yeah. real ATM <laughs> that's just there to steal your everything. Uh, and it's got a prancing horse on it, uh, just because. Why not? Yep. Um, <laughs> yep. 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 Uh, so yeah, I think that that Red Bull is definitely freaking out because they are they are doing what you just said. They I think that they are spending their money or they're spending all of their time and money in development for the first mm-hmm. like two thirds of the season. I think it might even be like one half of the season. Like at the summer break, I don't think Red Bull is going to be developing that car anymore. And that's maybe one of the reasons why they've turned their engines down now, because everyone else is going to catch up, not fully catch up. Let's be realistic here. But I think that they're going to catch up enough that it'll start to challenge Red Bull uh, for those one, two finishes that they covet so much. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it does it does seem to be working for them, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And that is why. You know, there's all this talk of Christian Horner being like, look, it's kind of ridiculous that we're, you know, Azerbaijan, that's that's where we're going to have the first sprint. There's always a safety car there. It's the cars are going to get damaged. Uh, And he's saying this as if he's referring to every car on the grid. And he's not. He's just talking about his own team, Um, which sure. Fine. That's totally fine. But don't don't act like everyone is in danger uh, this is kind of like the the last season of Drive to Survive of Christian turning to Toto and being like, well, fix your fucking car then. It's like, hey, yep. Red Bull, this is not anybody else's problem. This is mostly going to be your problem. So you need to deal with it. Uh, the rest of the team seem fine with this, uh, including Mercedes. I mean, Mercedes, everyone at Mercedes is like, keep the sprints, keep the sprints. We can you want more? You just bring more. We'll do whatever. Uh, as long as those sprints stick around, we have a chance of being competitive and winning a Grand Prix. So mm-hmm. that's that's what's happening. Max has actually made statements saying that he might not stick around that long if they keep making all these changes to the sprint format, that he's going to go out for cigarettes and wonder bread and maybe just maybe <laughs> I won't be back. I don't know if you keep this behavior up. So that's the, the bullshit that's happening. Um, it's a very, very mature approach. Yeah. Yeah. There's, it is. It also is. It's not surprising that that would be Max's response would be to be like, I'm taking my ball and going home. It's like, well, dude. he's done a lot of this sort of stuff with the the um, sim racing community. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, right? oh yeah, yeah. He- the, the the esports scene. He's like yeah. throwing some pretty big temper tantrums where he basically throws the entire you know sport or game or or software or whatever it is under the bus. Yeah just because he's having lag issues or because he's getting like kicked out of uh, a race. And it's like, dude, I'm, I know you're the world champion, but like, if you say that this race is trash, like the people who run these races are absolutely getting crushed financially because people are like what the world champion of formula one thinks that this 
this software is trash. Well, I'll never use it. And it's like, well, you can't, you can't do that, dude. You have to be a little more conscious of it. And I get that maybe he thinks he's on the side of the little guy where he's like, you know, it sucks that like I keep getting kicked. And it's like, dude, you're not, you're not. Um, Oh, there was something I saw a TikTok where uh, Lando and Max are like really good friends. And there's uh, a TikTok of uh, Lando Norris and Max Verstappen both in like their sim racing setups. And I don't know if it's like Lando visiting Max. It must be Lando visiting Max because uh, uh, Lando is like pointing at Max's setup and like Max is sitting in it and it's like a four screen, like a three screen wraparound plus like a top middle screen to see all the data mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And like a full racing seat. Like you can, you can barely see Max like peeking out from behind it. And uh, Lando's like, yeah, check out his setup. And then he like swings his phone around and points. He's like, now look at my setup. And it's one monitor. And he's like in like a lazy boy uh, chair. And he's got like, (laughs) (laughs) he's he's got like the steering wheel, like the, the, the haptic response steering wheel, like the force feedback, like clamped Mm -hmm. to like just a desk that the monitor is sitting on, like not even like it's connected to <laughs> to the desk that the monitor's on. So whenever he's like launching right. real hard into a corner, I'm sure it's wobbling like crazy. Um, and he's like, I'm basically putting in the same lap times as Max. Uh, and like, I do appreciate this because it's Max being such like uh, a petty asshole, but he keeps like pointing to like the part on the screen and being like, second, second, you're second. <laughs> You're second. And you just keep, you like That's hear awesome. him saying this. So there's something very cute and funny about that, but also very typically Max Verstappen and just being like, yeah, yeah, I have a better setup than you. Yeah, I'm faster than you. Yeah, I don't know, up your game. So, yeah, I mean, sure, he's the world champion. He's allowed to do whatever he wants. Um, but also, I don't know, show some tact. I think that's what it's what what bothers me is he shows no tact as uh like he feels like a kid like he feels like a teenager still um yeah i mean, I, I mean you know uh, i i'm afraid to say that like it would seem as though he has been granted by emperor mm-hmm. christian horner the sort of you know power to yeah act like this and throw his tantrums around and and whatnot i mean you know yeah it's we'll we'll be seeing more of this to come yeah we're not gonna see less of max verstappen acting like a spoiled brat i thought i thought for a minute there that he had like figured out how to act like just a a a grown-up and not be a petulant child but he he can't he can't Saying he's not going to be around for much longer, that's being a petulant child. That is. I can't change with the times. I'm leaving. I've got my world championships. I'm done. It's like, ah, gross. Gross. Uh, all right. I feel like I've trashed Red Bull enough that we, we can now gently... We hit our quota for yeah. for the week. <laughs> um, what's uh, where? Where do you want to go next, Corey? Uh, bring me. Don't let me get out of my trash corner without stepping directly into your trash corner. Um, let's let's chat about this this Mercedes. 
this little this little thing that we were were sharing yeah, back so, and forth. So there was there was a report mm-hmm. about how Mercedes may have been able to engineer their dominance may have <laughs> effectively the last decade again may have being put in massive scare quotes just yeah. like the well, biggest heaviest scare quotes you can imagine who who was it that was putting uh, this out there i believe i don't know if it's uh, uh, this is speculation but it was a mercedes engineer this is a former mercedes engineer who went on to uh is interviewed uh, on a podcast and he talks about, uh, and I, I don't know if he's, uh, an HPP, like the high performance, um, engine component of Mercedes, uh, or if he's part of the actual chassis development team or whatever he's part of, but Mm -hmm. he's basically says that back in 2011, when the rules were going to be changed from the standard V8s to the V6 uh, hybrid motors, that the FIA had absolutely no data on that. And Mercedes was spending as much money as they want because this is pre-cost cap era. So in 2011, keep in mind, 2013 is when the first hybrid motor rolled out. In 2000, 20, 2014. 2014, right? yeah. The, the rule change happened. Yeah, so... Yeah. The rule change happened in 2013. The motors rolled out in 2014. That so was, that was when we switched to from the V8 engines yeah. to the V6 turbo with hybrids. the battery packs and all this and the curs and all that stuff. Uh, so apparently in 2011, Mercedes was like, "Oh, we're going to change up engines in a few years." Um, well, we're going to create, uh, in, in simulation, we are going to create a V6 motor and strap a hybrid unit to it and just start testing it and see what we can max out, you know, as far as like power goes and just see what we can see. And apparently the FIA had no data and Mercedes was like, oh, hey, um, we have all this data on these hybrid motors do you want to use our data to create the regulations for like the upcoming <laughs> motors? Yep. And they basically had a three year head start <laughs> on developing well, these. Well, hybrid it wasn't motors. just, th- it yeah. wasn't just that they had this head start mm-hmm. on developing them, which yes. I mean, it would, it would sort of behoove any team to get a head start. But I think the typical head start is like, one full calendar year, maybe 18 months. Yes. They were three years in advance putting this together. And because they were able to get this data together, the, the, the sport, the governing body, which had implemented these, these guidelines, but still hadn't fine-tuned them, still mm-hmm. hadn't even dialed them all the way in because they didn't have the insane amounts mm-hmm. of engineering data to to be able to make sure that those decisions were sound. Mercedes was able to say, oh, well, yeah, if if you would like, we have yeah. some of that. If it would be helpful in your process, exactly. we have some of this data, which, which, is, which sounds pretty natural to some extent, mm-hmm. except for the fact that 
Mercedes specifically knowingly use this to their advantage yeah. to basically be able to steer the refinement of those regulations to benefit their solutions that they had already yeah. started working out. And I mean, this is, I mean, yeah, you said it up top. This is a masterclass in jury. Yeah. There's just no getting around it. They just, they, they gamed the system in a perfectly legal way and absolutely used it to their advantage and, and maintained that advantage for 10 years, like a, an easy 10 year period. Um, and so much so that back, I mean, there are also reports of this, especially when Red Bull came out so dominant this year that they were turning their engines down. Everyone was like, well, Mercedes was turning their engines down at the beginning of the hybrid era, which is like compounding with this information. The fact that they knew that the regulations that they gave the data to the FIA, who again, this is the FIA. So the FIA doesn't Yes, they are the governing body of motorsport, but they don't they don't have a way of generating revenue there. So as far and and by that I mean they they it's like the fines that that they hand out is like yeah. their I primary I don't know how revenue. they I mean I'm sure they have all sorts of consultants, highly paid and, consultants and and yeah. things that help them with certain engineering initiatives. But to have, yeah, to have the teams open their books and share data. And I'm sure there's many other cases or scenarios where the teams share some of this data, probably more than anything, just to be in the good graces of the FIA. Yeah. But this is like, this is a full uh, step beyond that. Like that is like literally like, let's, let's build a sport around our our engineering solution that we've already created. And to me, so this is something that has always stood out to me as like an almost bizarre moment in formula one history. Um, and, and, or it's either bizarre or Mm -hmm. it was like the most prescient thing that ever happened, which was Lewis Hamilton Mm -hmm. stepping away from McLaren to drive for Mercedes. Yeah, McLaren who was that, the most dominant team in yep. Formula 1 whom whom he had won a championship with, whom he was raised by, who who the the team principal of McLaren Ron Dennis mm-hmm. like swooped in and changed Lewis Hamilton's life supporting his family and his karting career very early on in yeah. order to uh you know see him through the rest of his career and that in He's, by the in, way that's those are lewis's own words that's not like speculation yeah that's yeah, yeah, lewis yeah. no this is lewis openly is like i yeah ron dennis changed my life like he changed my life he changed my family's life mclaren changed my life changed my family's life i am forever indebted to them it's why you see him Whenever McLaren does well, he always is one of the people who will go and congratulate them because he still does care quite a bit about McLaren uh, because he wouldn't be where he is without them. 
he did <laughs> quickly abandon them <laughs> at their height for a very a, a team that was struggling. I mean, when when Schumacher returned to Mercedes, uh, that was it was like painful to watch Michael Schumacher driving a car that could not match his performance. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and so, yeah. For for Hamilton to jump to this team and basically be like on a team that's at the middle of the pack, it seemed very bizarre. Mm-hmm. And then one year goes by and these new regulations kick into gear, and it's you know it's a match made in heaven. But yeah. uh, I mean, clearly there's you know there's this moment where he's you know being given the tour of the the Mercedes facility and, you know, uh, Nikki Lauda's coming over and just being like, Hey, we got, mm, by the way, we got some, let me, let me show you a very special PowerPoint presentation. That is all about how we have the FIA working for us yeah, uh, yeah. for the next several years. And, you know, and then you decide, which team you want to be driving for. I mean, this Uh, is not dissimilar to the way that everyone was like, Hey, Alonzo, what, why are you leaving Alpine to go to Aston Martin? Like what is happening? This is the biggest, you've made some mistakes in your career, Alonzo, but Oh wow. What have you done? And Look at Fernando now. Look at Aston Martin now. I'm not saying that Aston Martin did the same thing because they it's just they didn't. Not I mean, not that I know of. Uh maybe maybe we'll we'll be unpacking this in 10 years' time, John, uh being like, wow, so like Aston Martin. I guess uh Lawrence Stroll like absolutely was like he got Stefano real, real drunk one night and uh has some like dirt on John Todd and like <laughs> And, that's it. Yeah. yeah. And maybe that's maybe that's why Sean Todd retired is because maybe Stroll was like, hey, you need to get out of here before everything goes sideways because it's about I'm about to make some moves. Um, so, yeah, maybe who knows? Maybe that's what uh, I mean, the, doing. the the one that, you know, and I, I I've brought this up several times on on the podcast, but just the the notion that Verstappen signed after winning his first Red Bull championship, signed mm-hmm. a, what, what, what was it, a six or a seven-year extension on his contract yes, with, on his existing with Red Bull. Ex- like, yeah. yeah. Like, that's just insane. Like, that's just absolutely uh, wild. And to me, there's some key, there's some ingredient, mm-hmm. there's something that Red Bull know or have done their version of yeah. this move to, uh, you know, perhaps this is what happened three years ago. You know, yeah. uh, Christian Horner and Red Bull were working with the FIA to shape our current formula well, to best benefit them. If you look at who is the best aerodynamicist and one of the few aerodynamicists who is held over from the uh the the, yeah. the, the ground the, effect the, the era. previous era yeah uh, it is one adrian newey so it's not completely impossible to to make that leap uh, at all um so yeah that's 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 some madness I, I i do think that mercedes 
did game the system. And this is one of the reasons why I'm not ever going to be like, well, Red Bull can't game the system. Um, it's, it's more of us like having that like 30 yard stare when we realize that like, Oh no, they gamed the Mm -hmm. system maybe in the same way that the team we support has gamed the system. And now we just gotta like sit here and eat our vegetables for the next four or five years until someone else can show up. Um, Hopefully this doesn't just become the thing. Maybe this has always been the way that it's gone. Um, but I don't think it's always this exact move. I think it's just indicative of the art of Formula One is the art of like the interpretation of the rule book. Yeah. Like that's it's always about trying to find a legal unfair advantage and trying to work within every different limit or confine and be as creative as possible with how those rules and limitations and controls are implemented. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's impressive. It is, uh, it, it, that's, that's to put it very, very mildly. It's, it's playing a, a game a chess game that exceeds all the dimensions that we know exist. Uh, that's, it, it really is impressive. Um, mm. Anything else from, uh, from, from that little nugget at all? Uh, that, no, I mean, it's just, yeah, I, I'm just in, I'm in awe yeah. of uh, just how, yeah. I want to know so much more about this. The (laughs) rabbit hole goes here. And yeah, it makes me only wonder like what else is, what else is happening behind the curtain of this insane sport that's manipulating and controlling and steering it in ways that we can't even imagine. Yeah. Uh, So now, and, and, and particularly appropriate for our vaguely X-Files themed Yes, yes. Just yeah. Who who knew when we started this out that this was going to turn into like a proper conspiratorial uh just (laughs) discussion that we end up having every week. Just once once a week we're like, hey, wait a second, is is this all just like a big simulation? Is this (laughs) 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 um so Uh, speaking of ooh, red pills, red pills that are hard to swallow. Oh, uh, oh let's, let's, oh, yeah, cool. yeah, 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 I did it. Um, oh, come on. We're, <laughs> so we've got some, oh. some drama with Ferrari. Uh, well, first we have some, uh, so an, an update on our, our, our sweet baby Carlito, his whole situation. Uh, Ferrari has mm, What's going on there? They filed an official protest with the FIA, and the FIA has been looking into the decisions of the stewards at the Aussie Grand Prix, and they are looking at how effective their uh, their penalties are, um, how disproportionately effective they are when it comes to Carlos Sainz. Uh, yeah, it was brutal what they did to him. And I think the argument that Ferrari is making is, hey, y'all didn't penalize anybody else. You need to go back and look at that that lap, that restart, because I feel like you just were watching Carlos, and that's the only thing that mattered, because you did have Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon coming together. You did have Logan Sargent. 
uh, plowing into the back of who was that DeVries. So like there were other things that happened that the Stewarts did not even make a note of, uh, let alone investigate. And now apparently the 18th is when the FIA will be releasing their findings on the review uh, of Carlos Sainz penalty. Like I said last week, I really hope that this isn't the FIA going, hmm, yeah, I guess we missed some stuff. <laughs> we we got to go back in there and like actually get them with even a, a, like a harsher penalty. Like, yeah, yeah, we're going to penalize Logan Sargent. We're going to penalize Pierre Gasly. And like, yeah, he'll get a race ban and that's going to suck for Alpine. And it's going to like really like ruffle everyone's feathers. But also, Carlos, you are going to get more points on your license and maybe even like a, a, a yeah. penalty, a grid penalty at the start of the Baku Grand Prix. Uh, wait, will that be applied for the Grand Prix or would that be applied for the sprint? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, now we're saying, yeah. yeah, yeah. See, this is the problem with the sprint races. Is, like it, yeah, it turns the sprint into this like, well, it, you wouldn't apply it to the sprint because it's not for the full points. And yeah. so it, again, like makes the sprint an extra nothing burger of a yeah. Yeah. So moment I, in the weekend. I don't know what that's going to look like, but that's like... That's just a little nibble of what's going on with Ferrari. I, I just, I just like to imagine that all this chaos is happening at the FIA, and mm-hmm. like you know, the phones ringing off the hook. There's like faxes that are coming in. Everyone's trying to do this, and then somebody's like, uh, "Excuse me, sir, <laughs> Felipe Massa is in the hallway right now, and would like to come in to discuss some things." Yeah, he's got some stuff that he's got to. Yeah, he's it looks he's got like. He's got like a couple of those like like those like boxes and it looks like there's just like a ton of documents in them too yeah, and yeah. there's a bunch of red string hanging out of the boxes <laughs> and the, the sharpie marker on the outside of the boxes says 2008 yeah. on it yeah he's so, demanding uh to be let into your office yeah he's he's saying I demand justice I demand my title yeah. I don't I don't know what this is oh yeah so that that is very funny because I feel like that is absolutely going to yet again get swept under the rug and we're not going to hear anything yeah. about this uh, until like after Lewis's retirement where Lewis is going to be like, yeah, that was kind of messed up. And I think Felipe should have gotten the title. <laughs> like that's going to be <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like, well, oh, OK. Um, but uh, so there is some news out of Ferrari here uh, and. This is, again, going back. This is going way back to the days of yore. Uh, and this is this has to do with uh, Lapo Elkin, who is, uh, I think, the cousin of John Elkin, and he also sits on the Ferrari board of directors. He tweeted something out, uh, and then it was erased. Uh, he deleted the tweet, um, uh, and it said uh the beginning of the end of ferrari i mean i'm paraphrasing but it's like the beginning of ferrari's downfall was when santander uh got on board with them um i that's not the correct pronunciation it is a spanish company uh so whatever the pronunciation is uh i apologize it's Santander. It's there's a different inflection. It's not that big of a difference, but it's a different inflection. Anyways, not important. The important thing is Santander is a Spanish banking company. Now, apparently, 
way back in 2009. Is that what that that's what we we decided? It was uh yeah. 2009 Santander was sponsoring one Fernando Alonso when Fernando Alonso was driving for Renault. Now, part of Ferrari's like seeking out of Fernando Alonso uh involved getting new title sponsors because that's always a thing. That's always a thing. And apparently Santander was like, hey, we'll absolutely come on board as a title sponsor if you hire Fernando Alonso. Now, the problem here is Kimi Raikkonen already had that seat. He was already in that seat. That man had won a world title. Um, uh, like yeah. was like fresh off of a world title in 2010, I think was his year. Right. Um, and basically he was told that he wasn't going to have a seat the following year. Uh, and this is, again, these are like rumors. This, this is not confirmed, but if you notice Kimi Raikkonen's performance the following year after winning a world championship with Ferrari, the second half of the season, it's like, hey, where'd Kimi Raikkonen go? Where did like that like world champ, the guy who was just cold, like literally the ice man, like the guy who's got ice running through his veins, will drive through a debris field at full peg, just assuming he's going to make it out the other side. Like, what happened to that guy? And apparently it's because he knew that he was losing his seat because of a sponsor, not even because of his own performance, but he was going to lose it because of a sponsorship deal. Now, this is the problem with Ferrari. Ferrari's business makes decisions, and then Ferrari F1, Scuderia Ferrari, has to then deal with the consequences of the decisions of the board of Ferrari, no matter what. It's just a thing that that's why Fred Vasseur is in such a difficult spot. It's why he doesn't mm-hmm. feel like he has any power. It's why he was told he needs to shut up when he was like, hey, I've got some title sponsor ideas. And the Ferrari board was like, Fred, you run the race team, we'll run the business end. So this is apparently when Ferrari made that decision and Fernando Alonso, you know, is Fernando Alonso. Um, so he's not going to bat an eyelash. He just wants to be on the best possible team. He's not going to be like, oh, no, this isn't right. This is <laughs> the guy who earned this seat should keep this seat. Like, he's like, no, no, I'm Fernando Alonso. I'll be the villain. I'll take someone's seat if it means that, like, I can be in a Ferrari. Absolutely. I have no problem with that. So. That happened, and then the tweet got erased, and everyone from Ferrari is like, what tweet? We don't know what you're talking about. We don't, we don't know anything. Uh, this is weird. How could? No, of course, our board member would never say anything to undermine our our decisions. Um, he would never throw us under the bus, especially because his brother or his cousin is running the company. So there's some nonsense happening there. Um, Mm -hmm. meanwhile, we got Charles Leclerc who hasn't finished a Grand Prix yet. Like, what are we doing? Uh, Ferrari is, is there, uh, I don't, I don't even know anymore. They, they, they don't deserve Charles. They don't deserve Carlos. If this is the way they're going to behave. Uh, yeah. What, what, what are are your thoughts on that? That's the, the show. <laughs> so uh, 
Elkin's comment, mm-hmm. uh, there was one particular piece of it that I thought uh, burned extra hard, and it was almost in parallel with. Uh, uh, do you watch the the show, the HBO show Succession? Uh, I am not watching, but I don't mind. So, to the, to the many the many people out there that watch it, yeah. the reason for watching the show is just because it's just a. a family of people that are just constantly verbally abusing each other in the most like intense ways and just trying to destroy each other by leveraging their insecurities against Hmm. one another and and whatnot. And so there's uh, I, I won't get too deep into spoilers, but there was a critical piece of communication between uh, the the fieriest of all the characters, which is the father mm-hmm. and all of his children mm-hmm. who are all constantly trying to kind of go to war with him while getting in his good graces. And he basically just said to them all, like as a statement of like, you're all irrelevant to me because none of you, you're, you're, you're just not serious people. Oh my and, God. And, uh, Elkin's Elkin's statement was, you know, Ferrari needs heart, seriousness, and a winning team inside and outside of the pits. Which Ooh. is like, you know, and when you when you say that, I mean, it, it literally is like it's embracing Formula One culture's memification of Ferrari in their clown suits. In their clown suits, and I think it's even it's better that it's that that it's coming from. Uh, I was doing just a little bit of of reading up on Lapo Elkin, mm-hmm. and like the best that I can determine is that, uh, and and sorry, just keep referencing uh, random pieces of entertainment. It's great, but in the movie, uh, if you saw the movie House of Gucci, mm-hmm. and there's this one member of the Gucci family played by uh, uh, what's his name, Jared Leto, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, who is. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, abort, like, yeah, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just an absurd human being. That would seem to be Lapo Elkin's role in yeah. this Ferrari family of sorts, so, if you will. If you haven't seen House of Gucci, just imagine Jared Leto playing an authentic Italian person. That's all you have yeah, to do. Ima- yeah, That's imagine it. him playing Super Mario, basically. yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, his version of an authentic Italian person, um, not Italian American, an Italian, like an actual Italian. Oh God! So that's what Lapo Elk. Yeah, okay, yeah, that that feels about right. That does feel about right. God, I feel so bad for the people. Not just see, it's not just Carlos and Charles. Like, I do feel bad for Fred Vassor. I do feel bad for the engineers. I feel bad for the mechanics because they have, they're not getting the support that they need. And then they're expected to perform at this like superhero level. Meanwhile, they're getting nothing from the, the literal support system that they have around them is like turning on them and questioning them at every step of the way. It's just, it's not a good place to be. It's not a good place to be if you are a family running a business. It is absolutely not a good place to be if you are a Formula One race team. Like maybe the most synonymous team that exists with 
the name Formula One. Like you mm-hmm. can't say Formula One without mentioning Ferrari or their dominance within the sport or just their influence. I mean, wild. Um, oh, there was one more bit of uh, bittery here. This is a bit of a left turn here, but not too much of a left turn. Um, the historic tracks, uh, Stefano Domenicali has come out and said, none of the historic race tracks in F1 are safe. None of them. Uh, which means that there is a chance that we may not see Spa after this year. There's a chance hmm. that we may not see Monza this after this year. Um, there are, there's a chance that we may not see Canada after this year. Like there's a lot of stuff yeah. that is now on the chopping block now that he said that. Uh, and I don't like that at all. I, I don't like the idea that we're going to see more of these pseudo street tracks um yeah. like miami Ar- arena parking lot tracks yeah yeah vegas strip uh i mean i get it that these are novelty tracks but i don't think that the calendar needs to be completely chock full of them uh that that feels very gross and very weird uh i was watching um f1 tactical rab is like the one of the youtube channels that i watch and uh he was talking about uh uh hockenheim uh is is coming back uh or being like hey f1 we really would like a german grand prix we would totally be down for it but we are not going to pay to have a grand prix in germany like we are mm. not losing money on this. So if that's the only way that we can have a Grand Prix, we're not going to get a German Grand Prix for the foreseeable future. Like the people who mm. run that track, the people who want to be there, the German sponsors are like, yeah, it's not that important if you're going to rake us over the coals. Um, and that feels that feels like a double gut punch to me to hear that. Yeah. Historical I mean, trust on the block. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't shocking, but only because we went through this during the Bernie era. Yeah. Where it was, yeah, oh, yeah. you know, there's, and I, and I, 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 part of me hears this and would like to think that this is more of just like a business strategy a negotiation yeah. tactic and basically just a way of being, trying to say that like, yeah, we, you know, we have no investment in the emotional heritage of the sport when it comes to moving our business priorities forward. But I, I have to think that yeah. there will be an uprising in the streets if they if they moved away from Monza. Yeah. Um, I mean, that includes Monte Carlo. Like that includes. Yeah. That like, I mean, yeah, that's a that's a bold statement for the president of F1 to make. Uh, that is an extreme that's not even the fia that's not the regulating body i think it's also got to do with this notion of you know there's all these other things there's all these other deals Mm -hmm. that we don't know are trying to happen yeah we've got other people trying to put new teams in to join the sport uh there's some instances of some public intent around new tracks or new mm-hmm. venues or or whatnot. Um, but I have to imagine there's a lot more going on behind the scenes there. And especially with with the way that they are ringing out 
as much hype as they can out yeah. of Las Vegas. I have to imagine that they're running around to every other major metropolitan area worldwide and saying like, you, you could be the next yeah. Las Vegas, you know. We'll come and build up some infrastructure. We'll literally, you're, I mean, <laughs> you will not we'll get know a 10 year to- contract <laughs> that will back out of seven years <laughs> early and you know, yeah. it'll be, it'll be great. It'll all be beautiful. It'll be great. Yeah. Uh, so that, that was some stuff that kind of like, ugh, oh, I don't know if I love that. Um, but yeah, it, it is also, I mean, and in the same statement, he was like, look, the new fans, it's all about the new fans. Um, uh, it's, you know, these people who are mm. like these older fans, like, sure, mm-hmm. they're going to be around. And I think that that's kind of the message is like, we know you're not going anywhere, guys. We know you're going. Yeah. We're going to, yeah. and God damn him. He is right. I am not going anywhere. I will watch uh, 30 Las Vegas Grand Prix um, and like no Grand Prix anywhere else. Uh, before I'm yeah. like, nope, I'm done watching F1. Uh, I, I will continue to watch. Uh, but he also is saying this as if like the new fans don't understand how important it is to have like a real competitive field. Because uh, like, it's the new fans, yeah, they're, I don't think these people who are showing up to F1 for the first time are going to just be happy watching Red Bull dominate for the next four to five years yeah i mean maybe they will maybe yep. they will I, I i don't know i genuinely don't know but i don't think that this is something well that- you've got to remember also that the new fans were onboarded uh just as we had the single closest season of racing yep. that we ever had in 2021 yep so you can't we had a, we had a final race of the season where the the first and second place were at a dead tie yeah. for points. Yeah. Tied at like a half up. There were like half points. Yeah. It, yeah, got- it was like they each had like 190.5 point points yeah. or something like that. Wild. Just absurd. Yeah. But yeah, that, I think that that's, that is a, a really huge miscalculation of the sport thinking that mm-hmm. these fans are here. They're, they're happy with this. Cause like you said, a lot of them showed up at the fiercest level of competition and now we're not going to see fierce competition. We're just, we're not seeing fierce competition. It's yeah. not even that we're not going to, we are not seeing it right now. We are seeing Red Bull racing in formula one and everyone else racing in formula 1.5 like they're just no one's and not only that the most exciting thing that's happening this season is sort of like a deep cut for the older fans seeing fernando yeah the guy the guy from the mid-2000s yeah uh, you know swing back in and to to everyone else it's like the way that like you and i got to know George Foreman as this like novelty character yeah. in this like third act of his, his career, you know? And it's like, Oh, that guy used to be the world heavyweight champion of the world and everyone respected him. And it wasn't like the guy who yeah. named all of his kids, George <laughs> yeah, named all his kids, George. <laughs> cool. <laughs> kept, uh, kept the, the grease just dribbling away from your burgers, you just, know, just long enough to call them healthy. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. yeah. So there's, there is some, there's an interesting bit of nonsense on the horizon when it comes to scheduling and the way that F1 is going to look 
Um, yeah. with the sprint races with the intense amount of Grand Prix that are going to be happening for the rest of this year. And then for the future going forward, I can't see them going, Hey, we should really go back to 18 races. We should, we can't do, we can't do 24 races this year. We got to go back. Like that's not going to happen. They're too greedy. Mm -hmm. F1 is too greedy. Um, so yeah, but all that said, I think that, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give you a big old bless you, even though you muted yourself, you still get a bless you on mic. Um. Corey, I, I, sneezed, <laughs> I sneezed so hard that an empty seltzer can on my desk tipped over, which would have, uh, I, I shouldn't have muted for that because it would have made for great podcast comedy. Oh, wonderful. Uh, all right. Well, uh, how about this, Johnny? Where do you think the stock is? Where do you think F1 stock is right now? It's going up. Mm -hmm. It's going up. Eager anticipation, uh, yeah. lull of the season. It only the absence makes the heart grow fonder. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. We're we're only uh, a little less than two weeks away from yeah. seeing oh. some cars back on track. God, I can't wait for there to not be like off track drama only there will continue to be off track drama but we'll be talking more about on track drama and sprint race oh man i that's in two weeks folks we are going to have a packed episode uh but we will also have another packed episode next week i promise there was mm -hmm. nothing happening this week and we still stayed on for far too long and stayed in all these trash corners and <laughs> rolled around in them and made made it rain down trash on us like like kids good playing trash. the snowbank yeah it's good yeah it's real good trash uh yeah i i think the stock has gone up i think it will continue to go up um i think that the more red bull starts to freak out over the sprint races uh the more attractive this will become to me because <laughs> i just want to mm -hmm. see them twist themselves into a pretzel to like yep. being like, okay, look, we cheated last year and things are going to go sideways. <laughs> things are going to go real sideways if like something doesn't happen. So I'm excited for it. Excited for it. Well, oh, I haven't done this in a long time, but uh, hey, rate and review this. Uh, subscribe. Tell your friends to subscribe. Tell your families to subscribe. All that stuff. Um, but yeah, that's that's a little, little shameless self-promotion at the tail end of the podcast never hurt anybody certainly it's not going to hurt us johnny but uh where damn straight <laughs> where can uh where can these fine folks find you out there in the world fine folks can find me via johnnymotion.com which is my home base for all my things you can track me down via all the social platforms jumping off from there Corey, where can everybody find you yeah, you can track me down at Burn Corey Burn on all the things. We are the F1 Files on Twitter and TikTok uh, for as long as it shall remain in this country. Oh, God. Um, uh, and then we are the F1 Files pod on Instagram as well. Uh, yeah, folks, please just make sure that you do everything in your power to catch up with us next week because... By God, we are going to do everything in our power to catch up with you next week mm. on these, our most precious F1 files. Boo!